Hi, my name is Sean Shaler, and this is my friend Chris Ford, a.k.a. The Objective Geek. In fact, he's the only person that you can see right now. His face is the only one that matters, and that's because we wanted to shake things up. I said we. I actually meant I had a, uh, an idea that may or may not be stupid, but I had an idea where I wanted you to walk us through the Avatar The Last Airbender comic books because recently I've been mulling over trying to get into comics a little bit, and then last week you showed us the book Legacy, which was the book that Aang wrote to Tenzin, if I'm not mistaken, or essentially uh, the recreation yes. of that book. And it just got me thinking yep. that, hey, maybe I should try to read some of these Avatar The Last Airbender comics to catch up on the lore in between and the other canon literature that was out there. And I believe that you are familiar with all of it. And so I thought, who better to ask for a recommendation on how to start <laughs> than yourself so a uh, little bit different episode this week a little bit different format but i'm very excited to learn more about these comics and maybe pick up a book and read which i don't do very often so with well, that being said chris i'm gonna let you take it away really i think we're gonna go in chronological order and start from the bottom all right so picking up after events right after the hundred year war is the first comic book to come out which is the Promise. The Promise explores really <laughs> how do you heal a world. That's not that promise. Let me get to the right promise. That's funny. Oh, no, wait. It was, it was, uh, it was hilarious. What was that? Uh, the Promise. There we go. I couldn't tell what that was, but not the right promise. So It looks like some made for TV. It probably Christian was. Movie, so they're probably the worst. I would imagine it's one of the worst it's... movies ever. Yeah. Uh, but hey, here's not something that's the worst ever, and that's uh, <laughs> it looks like there's several cover variants. Well, so the, all these graphic novels were split up into three parts, and they were released probably like two or three months, probably three months apart from each other. And then you can put them all together to make the actual whole graphic novel. So there's you know the Promise Part One, Part Two, and Part Three. Okay. Which the way they do that, I don't really like. <laughs> Because you really get like just one little book at a time, and then by the time that you know by the time that book comes out, you kind of maybe forget, so you just kind of go got to go back and reread. So I wish that wasn't the case. I would rather either have just give me one big graphic novel at a time. I don't care if it's yearly, or give me you know several issues like monthly, like they do with the big two major comic book companies. I will say, but, so hey, I've I've barely read any comics at all. But like, so Batman and TMNT, the the crossover is maybe the the only one that I've read consistently, and for it's just way more interesting to me in graphic novel format because it feels like I'm getting the whole story all at once, like I should. Yes. Yep. And that's uh, that's my preferred mode of reading in my limited experience. Yeah, but hey, you know I'm a huge Avatar fan, so beggars can be choosers, I guess. <laughs> But the promise explores how does a world heal after a hundred years of war? Like people have got accustomed to certain uh, lifestyles that you can't necessarily change just because the fire war is defeated. Um, and also it deals with Zuko still having that lingering thought of can he be a good fire lord? Is he still living in the shadow of his father? Um, and so the promise that the promise that I actually made is a promise that Zuko makes Aang make is that, hey, if I ever, you know, do something bad, I need you to kill me. 
And Aang, being an air nomad, like he has such a hard, conflicting choice of killing the Fire Lord or not. Of course, he doesn't want to kill one of his good friends. And that's essentially kind of what the, the biggest story impact is. Um, the biggest, I think, plot thread in it is that, you know, we've learned about these Fire Nation colonies in the, in the Earth Kingdom where the Fire Nations come in and they're just kind of overrun uh, these colonies. And those people have been living there for like 100 years. So when the war ends, you know, you kind of think, all right, everybody, you got to move back to the Fire Nation. Well, those people have never lived in the Fire Nation before. They don't know that home. They have no home. They have no stake there. And so can you really just uproot? you know, people from their land that they've been there, but that's not their land. And so it just deals with that conflict. That is way and deeper was... and darker in a couple of places than I anticipated <laughs> any of these being. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, and this is, this is probably my least favorite comic book, even though it, it has some good story elements. I think it... I think subjectively, I might have didn't like it because I was just expecting the search. Like, I was expecting to learn about Suko's mom and the next story that we go into after The Last Airbender. Um, and this is like a detour. And also, I feel like this doesn't necessarily establish anything. Uh, all the characters by the end of this story are pretty much where they're at before. Like, they grew a little bit, but you know, it just didn't seem like that impactful of a story. Um, you know, Zuko, I feel like he regresses a little bit. And I, I hate seeing that in characters, especially a character who's grown so much. But I guess that's part of life. Like, you, it's not just a finish line. Like, you got to keep on growing. So, whatever, I'll, I'll buy that. We, um, I'm oh, telling and, you, we, start, we started off really, uh, really potent, really deep here. <laughs> not what I expected at all. Um, also, the artwork, I think, is... And I think the artist does, it's the same artist on all of these. Um, he does really great work in transitioning the animation um, from the show to, you know, 2D pictures in here. So, and, you know, characters look and feel just like the characters of the show. I think my favorite part of this, um, ah, what is my favorite part of this book? I think it's just, um, it, there is a conversation between Aang and Roku. We've mentioned this before. Where Aang is like, hey, Roku, should I kill Zuko? And and he's pretty much like, yeah, you know, you got to do also. <laughs> Dude's crazy. Yeah. Also, Roku's like, listen, you got to split these families up. Like, you got to take all those Fire Nation colonies and ship them back to the Fire Nation. Like, the four nations have to be separate. And Aang is like, maybe that worked for your life, but, you know, we've had to deal with war for 100 years, and so maybe we need to come together. And pretty much Aang says, you know, Roku, I don't need you anymore. And he kind of severs, uh, that's not the word I'm looking for. He kind of breaks off his connection, severs. Thank yeah. You. You're I was thinking sever and sever anyway. Yeah, he severs enough. his connection. He severs his connection to Roku. Thus, because it's Link, he severs his connection to all, all his past lives. But it's a, it's a good read. Anyone who's a fan of Avatar, you should definitely give it a read. Um, Katara and Aang are a full-on couple in this, and oh, one thing really annoying about it, and, and they continue this in other books, is they call each other sweetie all the time. Ew. And Gross. <laughs> well, and that's Sokka's reaction, too. <laughs> <laughs> as long as they're not, like, like I think he literally, 
Not as long as they're not like, say, a bay. Yeah, that's true. I hope not. I mean, I guess I can't. I can't. I can't say much. Like, I haven't called my. I only call my wife, Tracy, when I'm like, either trying to get her attention or something. Most times, it's just bay. But in public, but... you just say, "Hey." Yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like every time you need her when you're in public in like a grocery store, you don't say, "Hey, sweetie." That would be yeah, no. That would be uh, ludicrous. But hey, it, maybe it's just in there for Sokka to like have a role in some comic relief. But it sounds yeah, so. It sounds uh, like so the story is really like like it or not, or maybe not that you don't like it, but you said it was maybe your least favorite. But the story sounds really impactful. Like in terms of picking up Avatar canon, it seems like a very important story. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good story. Uh, I will probably have to give it, even though I don't do letter grades and in my reviews, I like to be a little bit more numerical than that. But uh, since I didn't have time to really think about this, I'll give like a B minus. All right, I can accept that. That sounds like readable to me. Borrow from the library, maybe not buy it on the Chris uh, Chris Ford scale of purchase or borrow or. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, right, well, that, so that was uh, the promise, and then next comes the search. Is that correct? Yes. Next comes the search, which I absolutely love. The search so much so that I bought the big edition back there. And the search, and it answers completely answers all the questions we had about Zuko's mom, and where did she go? How did all that happen? But more so than that, it really dives into. Um, what it means to be family, really, because I think so. Azula accompanies um, Aang, Katara, Sokka, and Zuko to find his mother. Zuko feels like he has to find his mother or find what happened to his mother. He, he still thinks his mother's dead, um, so he can move on past this and become a better Fire Lord. But Fire Lord Ozai, or former Lord <laughs> Ozai, um, <laughs> says he knows like where he can find answers, but he would only tell Azula. And he only wants to tell Azula that because Azula has, because he wants Azula to get some information that can possibly dethrone Zuko. And so it's kind of this nice sibling search because you have Katara and Sokka and you have uh, Zuko and Azula. And the thing I love about Zuko is that he's like trying to mend this relationship with Azula. And that's what I loved about him all throughout the series. Like he never felt like he had to beat or like kill Azula. He always felt bad for her. Like in that scene, and ah, I forgot the name of the episode. They how I forget the name of the episode. I don't know how you remember names of episodes regardless. The Southern Raiders, mm-hmm. Southern Raiders episode. Um, Azula like is falling. They fight on top of a uh, warship. She fights. She falls off the side. Zuko falls off the side, but Appa saves Zuko. And Azula just falling to her death. He's like, she's not going to make it. Like, he looks sad almost. And then she makes it. And then he says, uh, of course she made it. And then <laughs> when they beat her, <laughs> like, it's that weird conflicting relationship. And then when they beat her at the end of the series, like he's he doesn't, it's not a triumph, but like, yeah, we beat you. It's like, I'm so sad for you, like, right now, like, you're crying, you're my sister, and I can't heal you. And then, you know, Zuka's mom, you know, she also kind of struggled with that, because she had to, you know, she 
left her kids to a certain extent and does she feel any guilt about that at all um, but it's such a just a great story in azula she goes down this path of like you completely start to empathize with her even more like she starts to become very unhinged like she is literally um has mental issues she is schizophrenic and she is bipolar like she switches moods and she also still sees her mom it is a great exploration of that character um and really i think like ang and guitar hansaka kind of takes a back seat they play more of a supporting role in this um but also it's, it's just the way the story is constructed it's a beautifully told story the search is the one that i've easily heard you talk the most about uh, and yet it feels like so i guess what i meant with the first comic is like it, we you mentioned the link being broke between ang and all of his previous uh previous avatar lives and that's important like that has an impact in the next season something about the search of it uh it feels like i don't necessarily understand all the consequences of what happened so i'm looking forward to reading it because you like it so much and because I don't think until it's, I read it that I'll really understand. It's I, funny. I think it's out of all of them. It's it. probably the it's probably the most self-contained. Like it has a very you know beginning, middle, and end. Um, to where you could take this out of the out of all the comic books, and they would all flow perfectly fine without the search, and the search works perfectly fine without them. Maybe well, that's to a certain extent. Never never mind, because there's there's smoke and shadow, which you do need to read the search for but the search by itself is a great story maybe that's part of the reason why you like it or the part of what makes it so great is it's just such a good independent standalone story which in our episodes those seem to be the episodes that i like the best too so i got a good feeling about the search and i look forward to that one yeah i'll give that one an a plus like i want to do a whole video deep diving into all the little things about it. i mean people have done a lot of videos on zuko's mom <laughs> but I try to approach things a little bit differently when when possible. No. But it's it, like I said, it's a great book. I, I would give watch that, an that. A plus. I would watch that video. <laughs> Let that be the encouragement <laughs> that you need. And uh, you have to forgive me. I'm not familiar with which one comes next. The next one that comes next is the next one. It's the Rift. <laughs> I believe it's the Rift. Okay. I'm pretty ninety five percent sure it's the Rift. Oh, yes, that's good, that's good enough for me. I've got a date here, but that's probably and, not going to help too much. And the rift, it's funny because I'm pretty sure I like the rift more than the promise, but like story wise, I think the promise is a lot better than the rift. <laughs> like I can almost, if I, I think if I go back and reread the promise, I would think it's better than the rift. But on my initial readings, the rift is better than the promise. Uh, so the story of the rift involves kind of a rift between Toph and Aang's relationship. Like Toph has always been, you know, not that spiritual. She is just, you know, more rough about. You know, she's probably more to technological advancement. She's very literally a grounded person. <laughs> yes, and and Aang is, you know, the opposite of that. That's why he had trouble, you know, earthbending at first. Um, in this story. The story is kind of all about like how traditions can, I think, 
get in the way, I guess, of things. I mean, it's, traditions without reasoning is useless to a certain extent. Maybe that wasn't the purpose of the writer, but that's why I took away from it. Because So there's like a certain island that's a spiritual place for Aang. He goes there, and that's where he goes and celebrates some type of festival day. It might be a Avatar Yang Chen day. They're celebrating something that Avatar Yang Chen, Yang Chen did. She defeated General Iron, who was a spirit um, who like haunted this place, but she found peace with him. And but like people had to come back all the time and like do some type of ritual to keep him happy. But throughout time, and when the Airbenders died off, like they forgot all about it. But Aang remembered. But Aang didn't remember like why to do this, and so this like tech place comes and wants to build like these factories and stuff over it and Toph was like yeah why don't you let them like you know they're just advancing technology and everything and they kind of butt heads a lot I think they get into a fight I'm pretty sure they do uh, which is a cool fight and and um and you learn more about Avatar Yang Chen that's a really cool part and also Aang... Avatar Yang Chen, a.k.a. our our number one favorite avatar of the known avatars. Yeah. Wait, was she well, number... not the favorite. Eh, she might have been number two. She was number one. She was the best. She was number one. Okay, yeah. It's just... Yes. How uh, how prominent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, like, and that's really most of the story I think I remember from, from the Rift. Um, so in the search, Aang does... Like, there's these airbending club... <laughs> fan club and and Aang at first like loves them and then one of them shows like oh yeah we got these tattoos too and then Aang is like oh but those are fake right and she's like no they're real we're that committed and Aang is like pissed off <laughs> Aang is like no you're like appropriating my culture these tattoos are to display mastery of of being an air nomad and being spiritually you know you're just making a mockery of it and I think in in the rift, you know, they kind of follow him around all the time, and they kind of start they they apologize to him so much so that the girl wears a headband over her tattoo, and like for the rest of her life she'll wear that headband and kind of like dishonor in a sense, or to not <laughs> to be respectful of him. And then those become the first air acolytes, um, which are like air nomads who do not have air bending. They're part of the Air Nation. Based on your description think, of this one, it feels like it's a lot of a not character development, but sort of character setup for the characters in Korra. Like a lot of what you said makes more sense, or not makes more sense. Uh, as you were talking and describing the story, I'm like, oh yeah, that's that was alluded to by yeah. Toph's uh, by Toph's children in, in the Legend of Korra. Like, I don't. I felt like a nice character development segue into Korra, just based on what little you said there. <laughs> Yeah, and like I said, like the Rift must be probably my least impactful one because I don't remember that much about it, really. Honestly, I read it one time and I probably thought it was fine. Um, so for that one, I'm gonna get that one to be a B, just a B. Ah, no problem with that. I passed a lot of classes that way. <laughs> uh, that is the Rift. That is the third one. So then. Yes. And. The um, the uh, fourth one is Smoke and Shadow. Smoke and Shadow? Yes, Smoke and Shadow. 
This is probably the one I know the least about or have heard you talk the least about. Oh, yeah, it's, it's probably my second favorite. You know, I haven't really talked about it all that much. Uh, but maybe, it goes, yeah. Maybe it's my... Uh, I think I'm, I'm starting to find a trend here that once that involves Zuko heavily and the Fire Nation are my favorite. Because that... So Smoke and Shadow, they're back in the Fire Nation. Zuko's Fire Lord still. and But there's still like people who want to overthrow him. And, and Azula is, is heavily involved in this one. And she's really good in it also. Um, about really good, you mean she's and, really bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is... <laughs> The thing is, I just like seeing how that Fire Nation deals with such a huge change in leadership. And not only that, but a huge change in in culture and how they view the world and what their place is in the world. Because forever, they've been told that, hey, we're the best there is. We wake up in the morning and we piss excellence. And, <laughs> and, and now you have a leader who's saying, no, we're terrible people. Like We have to make amends for things we have done. And, you know, some people think that Zuko is a weak Fire Lord because of that and how he he doesn't, he's not as strong-willed as Fire Lord Ozai was. This, uh, this kind of deals with... There's a lot of uh, political parallels that we could that we could probably make that would be entertaining <laughs> right now, but yeah. maybe, maybe another time. <laughs> um, yeah, and... The, and I, I really like this one because this involves probably a lot more. Oh, and kids keep getting kidnapped in the city and in the Fire Nation city. And people are like, well, Fire Lord can't protect us. And it's, it's, it's a really good book also. So it uh, it is sort of a weird consequence of that. The Fire Nation probably didn't have uh, probably didn't have a ton of casualties to the war, at least toward the end. At least none that not a bunch that we see visibly, and so. Well, there's one big one. There's one big one. There, well, but essentially, Aang ends the war in such a way that all right, there's still basically an oh, entire Fire yes. Nation out yes. there that was at war and just <laughs> all right. Well, now Ozai is gone, but the rest of those people are still alive and still living in the Fire Nation and in political positions of power. So. Yeah, I would say there could be some backlash to a a different Fire Lord style. Yeah, and it's funny because at the end of the series, like when Zuko's crowned the Fire Lord, and like you see all the nations, and like everybody cheers. I was like, Fire Nation people are cheering. I guess they found the random people who were like really excited to end this war. And granted, they probably. I'm guessing a lot of people would be because people die on their side also. And it's like, what's the point of this war? Like, why do we need to control all the other nations? My nephew was just killed fighting some random war for you. I bet they didn't. Uh, I mean, we're probably overthinking it, but they probably didn't understand all the ramifications just yet. Like, it, yeah, at that point, they might just generically be cheering for peace until this new guy comes in yeah. to rule their country and he's not exactly what they're used to. But yeah, I, I could see how they might just be cheering for the end of a war in a good way with, uh, yeah, like I said, I, mean, I know they had casualties, but it's not like they were wept out, uh, like wiped out in, in result of the war, I guess. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the last complete one is um, North versus South. And this involves the Water Tribes, which almost feels like, I guess it can't feel like a rehash of Season 2 of Korra because this kind of came before Season 2 of Korra. Um, well, it came, story-wise, <laughs> it came before. I guess part of that is just to build up like that story behind the animosity between the, the South Pole and, and the uh, North Pole. Oh, I never gave a grade on on a smoking shadow. Oh, I'm sorry. I would say, well, no, well, you don't have to apologize. I, I'm the one that kept going. Um, in a minus, a minus, yeah. I like that one a lot. So that's gonna be—is that gonna turn out to be your second favorite, or do I not want to spoil the ending here? Nah, it'll be my second favorite. Okay. <laughs> so north and south, or south north? What's it called? It's north and south. You had it. North and north and south. Gosh, north always comes before south. It's probably white people. <laughs> you never. I mean, you, you never say south, north, east, west. It, yeah, it doesn't even roll off or the south, tongue. North, west, east. Doesn't even roll yeah. off the tongue, right? Yeah. It sounds like in a movie starring two people where they have the fight about who gets to go first <laughs> in the uh, in the subtitles on the theater, the little theater bar. Yeah. It's like South's like, can we just be first once, please? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, South is never the first. I mean, they lost the war. Yeah. I mean, I guess South Korea is better than North Korea, so there's that. That's. <laughs> I don't know how South uh, Dakota is compared to North Dakota. Well, to me, it's warmer, so it's better. Uh, different topic mm-hmm. that's sure. probably well above our podcast, but it is sort of interesting. Like, some of my favorite things about studying the Civil War in high school was uh, learning about the. Uh, I guess the ramifications afterwards and the backlash and the way uh, I don't even know how to describe it. I'm kidding. Well, yeah. I'm kidding. Listen, I'm from Southern Kansas. Things are different down there. Uh, but no, interesting conversation about how uh, how there was such a push in the South uh, just toward I don't know how else to say it other than just toward like states' rights, like trying to trying to maybe yeah. wipe away all the other discussion. Or everything else that happened, or why a war may or may not have been fought. There's a definite push to change the narrative on the war. I mean, and I've I've read plenty of things that's, about this. I've that's been probably yeah. No, that's probably a good way to describe it as a changing or trying to change the narrative or sort of a sort of brush over it in a sense. There's a lot of interesting videos you can watch about that. This isn't a random tangent. Um, like Vox does a lot of good videos of like how did. Um, I forget what video I watched before, but it was pretty much like there was a commission put together to like change textbooks to, you know, just word things differently that it came across. Oh, well, you know, the Confederate army was great and the civil war wasn't fought because of slavery. They just wanted states rights. I mean, sure that they wanted the right to own people, but they, uh, I think, uh, I think the way you worded it was probably the best way to word it is trying to change the narrative. Mm-hmm. Like it's just ignore certain pieces and parts altogether. And yeah. yeah, I always found that, that interesting, like a child after a kid gets in trouble and then afterwards, and they're sort of trying to rationalize their behavior. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what it makes me think of. But the point is that maybe in those movies or those <laughs> videos that you mentioned, Maybe in those videos, they would like try to sneak and put South first as like a catchy title, like South versus <laughs> North. 
<laughs> so that was a really long way to go for that. But uh, hey, it's an important time. There's never there's never a bad time to talk about topics of such mm-hmm. historical significance. So North and South, yeah. the comic book, however, <laughs> it's not like that. I think there's a civil war, sort of. No, not really. Um, which is part of why I don't really remember that much from this story. I do remember um, Katara and Sokka going back home, and I think some people felt like they abandoned them to a certain extent. Like, oh, look who's here. Something like that. When like all the Grand gave them permission to go, but that doesn't mean um, the rest of oh, the tribe then, was going to be cool with that. Yeah. And then uh, their father finds another woman. She finally moves on, and Katara deals with that. And kind of probably, I don't, I'm not remembering right, but it might have been like in a variety way. Understandably so. Like, I get it. There's no right way to react to your father moving on after, I don't know, six, 12. Uh, she was probably eight when it happened. Whatever amount of years since your mother died. I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know how you're supposed to react. I, I cannot empathize as I have not experienced that. Easier to say. No, I, easier I, to say than actually experience, I suppose. But I think I liked it. I, I, I remember enjoying it. That makes me. Well, I'm gonna give this one, you know, a B also. That makes me feel like I need to buy this one so we can reread it and just. I feel like this is the one you certainly talked about the least. I don't know if it's such as because it's the newest, at least the newest complete one. So there's not been as much, I don't know, as much built around it online or in discussion or in the later seasons of Korra or or the seasons of Korra and that type of thing. So, yeah, it certainly feels like the one I know the least about. I did not mention in The Rift, you do find out who, or you get introduced to um Lynn's father. Oh nice. Yeah. Toph meets a guy. And then right now we're in the middle of Imbalance. Imbalance part one came out probably a month ago. I did read that. And I'm I'm loving the artwork on it. It looks it's it's different from the previous artwork. I feel like the previous artwork just tried to emulate the show. Uh, this one, I think, really tries to stand on its own and be a little unique, which I think it makes the world of Avatar feel grander. Like, if you read comic books, like, there are different styles for every single comic book, and it feels like a whole huge universe. And I think when you use a different style, like, you kind of just expands it a little bit. Um, so far in the story, it's I'm enjoying it, but I think I'm enjoying it more so for the character interaction rather than the story. And a little bit of the story is that, and I think I'm liking it for just the Easter eggs they drop. Like, in one case, <coughs> Aang takes Katara to, uh, to this island, and, and this place they're going to is Republic City before Republic City was there. And he takes her to this little island, and they have like a nice little moment, and that's the same island that is Air Temple Island where the Air Nomads where Tenzin goes to live and where his family live. That's really nice. And you said that but essentially like becomes, said, uh, becomes Republic City? Yes, this town they're in is like right off the bay. It, it becomes Republic City, and then the island right off of it um, becomes Air Temple Island. So there's already kind of but, a, but, a settlement there? Yes, yeah. And it's expanded like so much, like, 
the techno technology has advanced. The bu there's buildings everywhere. Like, the city looks massive. And so we are, and you said there's uh, just one but issue. story-wise, oh, so sorry, far, no. yeah, we're only in part one right now. I don't know. Okay. I think part two comes out in May. Okay. I think it was originally supposed to come out in March, but it kept getting pushed back. But story-wise, it feels like a retread of past stories where Aang is upset and conflicted about technology advancing and about all these, you know, buildings being up on spiritual areas. And I feel like this just seems like a retread of like the rift. Um, so I'm hoping to get a little bit different story here, but I'll, we have two more parts to go. Are there plans for additional volumes after this? Oh, I'm sure there is. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, cause uh, maybe core comic keeps on going on. Um, and she, she'll have a new comic come out pretty soon. And yeah, I think this story is going to keep on going on and on. Say maybe you just get to a point where he needed to like tie up loose ends or something like that, so you get some maybe uh, yeah, used, I so. I used feel like materials. it might go on. It might go on until like Aang dies. Like I wouldn't see. I, see I wouldn't mind that. seeing more of. Yeah, I was gonna say I wouldn't mind seeing more of Aang in Republic City. That would be yeah. kind of fun. One of the things I do, one of the things I do love about the series is that like they're now like in in balance right now. They're in like. It's been like four years since the series ended. Like Aang has clearly grown, and you can see him growing. Like now he's taller than Sokka, and he's taller than the Katara. Uh, Our so little Aang, all grown nice up. To see. Yeah. So, uh, and then the way they talk to each other too is like way too, too, uh, too sensual for kids. <laughs> like I'll see you tonight. It's like all right, sweetie. Oh my! That's uh... and and I might be just inflecting there because you know you're reading a comic book, you can't tell exactly how they're saying these things. Might be like, "Oh, see you tonight." You know, though, I'm I think I'm okay with that because so we we've grown up, I guess, with Avatar: The Last Airbender, and that was the thing. Like going from Avatar to that Last Airbender to Korra, was it? it sort of felt like a much more mature show and this like it feels like we grew up with it or it grew up with us however you want to word that so i'm sort of okay with the comics as we yeah. go on feeling more mature yeah one of the things that i think don't work well for the comics is that none of the villains feel that big and granted it's really hard to feel big because we just got done with a hundred year war where <laughs> Where you know Aang was in this huge battle, and Katara and Zuko was in this huge battle, and Sokka's taking out airships. Nothing could ever feel that big, but all the villains and antagonists feel really, really small. You know, except for when we're talking about Azula uh, when she's in these stories. So maybe that's why I don't like these other stories as much. Like uh, North and South, I don't remember the bad guy in that at all in the rift i don't remember um and now i'm looking at the promise if i reread the promise and read them all i think i probably would like the promise more i think that might just be me with my own expectations of what that comic should have been that's true uh, it was the first one i you think that no level for expectations at that point um but yeah so i think the comics have a little issue of that that there's no good 
villains for there and really could there be good villains because like that's one of the issues i have with the star trek not star trek star wars <laughs> movies it's like oh i thought we just i thought we defeated you know the dark side of the force like oh no here now there's this new segment and now for some reason they're really huge they're like now we're the resistance again for some reason <laughs> like it almost <laughs> it almost nullifies everything that happened in the original trilogy because just because we to tell more stories again and Avatar isn't like that, but I'm not getting the same oomph from the villains. Man, this so. is a really deep episode. We have talked uh, at some length about the Civil War, about your feelings on the larger Star Wars franchise. We've revealed a lot here. I I have no... I mean, it's hard for me to judge because I haven't read them yet, which is about what I'm <laughs> about to ask you for the recommendation there. But... I have no issue with small villains. In fact, we've had this discussion before. I don't necessarily care for the fact that it seems like every superhero movie or uh, that, I guess, every movie it feels like right now, everything that comes out feels like it's trying to be more grandiose and large and big than the last thing. It's like, I don't always need that. Sometime I'm totally fine with a nice, small, independent story and a little fun local villain I'm okay with that. We'll see how it goes when I read through these, but I think I, I don't think, I think that'll it might just me. be these ones because because Korra has the fairly the first issues of Korra that storyline has a fairly small time villain. He's just like a mob boss, and I really like that story. Um, maybe because in that story, like there feels like there's more stakes in it, and also I think it helps out that I don't know what's going to happen next. Is he like, a mob boss? Avatar. Is he a mob boss in Republic <laughs> City? Like maybe there's just more of a a personal yeah. connection to the stakes there. Like, is this still an established place yeah, that you're be. still attached to? Yeah. And also like the, sto- we know how the story of Aang and them end. Like we yeah. know Aang dies at a certain age. We know Katara continues to live and Zuko continues to live. And I don't think they're going to do, we know Sokka lives until he's at least like 30, probably 40. <laughs> um, what a grand so, long life. And then he never gets mentioned again. Yeah. Um, and so like, can you really add suspense and intrigue in this when I know what's going to happen? Not to without essentially um, rewriting something in Korra or worse. If you make something really big happen in these comics that was not addressed in Korra, like, Hey, we forgot to tell you this story about Aang. Like yeah, that would be yeah. weird. I mean, they they could still do it. It's just I don't know. I guess that's just my major line. issue with it. There's nothing feels that grandiose, except for villains like Azula, which, except for things when we deal with things about the ramifications of the war. Uh, real quick question: in which, in which piece? I don't know if it's in the comics or other literature. You mentioned somebody was a shadow bender. Where did that come in? You mentioned that in the last episode, I think. There was shadow bending. Was did you say there was a shadow bender or a oh what was it? I feel like you noted that there was a shadow bender, but you weren't sure if it was canon or not. Where does that come in? Uh, um, so there are these one-off stories in called the Lost Adventures. They are comic books. Um, so it's called Outside the Lost Event the the Lost Adventures. Yeah. Which I guess you can just look it up if you wanted to. Oh yeah. Um, so these are just a lot of. I'm like leaning <laughs> these are back just a lot of comfy. really. <laughs> these are a lot of really short stories. Like, 
there may be six pages per comic book per like story you know good um they're not that impactful it just kind of fills in some holes like there's a scene where yeah that's it where um Toph fights Boomy to figure out who's the best earthbender awesome granted it ends in a draw but what um, Boomy should just, yeah, like, there's just be some... crumbling into dust by now there's a pretty great story with Sokka getting when they're in the Fire Nation he's uh, Wang Fire he gets uh, recruited to be in the army <laughs> and eventually he sacrifices himself <laughs> and there's a memorial to this Wang Fire guy awesome that uh, those sound yeah. like that's like my style of storytelling right there six pages I can deal with that they're very short stories. Like a lot, a lot of times, like I use them as books to read to my daughter at night. Oh, like, nice. All right, we'll read this one. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, so, in terms of the larger comic book series, to this point, is it worth? Th- it sounds like they're. It's worth reading through them chronologically. Um, even the promise you've already said, like, hey, maybe if you go back and read it again, it might feel different. <laughs> but it sounds like it's worth reading them chronologically. Uh, there might be one or two in there that stand alone independently, but they all do a good job of adding to the lore in some sense. Yes, yeah, I think they all add something to it. Well, I will go and I'll get the promise, and then I'll try to read it before you go back and reread it, and then <laughs> you get a chance to like you get a fresh start, a new opinion on it after mm-hmm. your next read. But uh, okay. well, hey, I appreciate the the run through. Like I said, I don't know why I just been in a mood to try to read anything again. I keep looking at books. I'm like, no, those are too big. I got to go smaller <laughs> comic books. That sounds right. And it fits into the podcast thing and it'll fill me in on a lot of yeah, stuff that I, I have never, I said the only experience I have with any of these is what you pick up later in Cora or what you have told me. So it's probably time I, I paid my dues and paid some attention to these. So in the near future, I look forward to picking up the promise and starting there. And I think that's really all we we wanted to do. Kind of a shorter episode this week, so I think that's all I have. Uh, we will be we will be off a couple weeks before I come back. I got a vacation and some work travel. It's pretty exciting stuff. But then we'll be back in a couple weeks yeah. with a very big, exciting finale from Book One Water. Finale. We we made it through. Yeah, one I should have season. a couple of different Avatar videos coming out before that, so those should be good. I'm looking forward to getting those out. Good luck with those. I will look and share appropriately. Uh, one in particular that I'm looking forward to, uh, which would be the, well, I won't spoil it. The one <laughs> concerning my personal favorite character in the Avatar The Last Airbender series. That one. Looking forward to it. So keep an eye on the Objective Geek on YouTube and on Twitter where he shares his stuff or on mine. I will share it as well. Thank you for joining us today to talk about some comic books and shake things up a little bit. Have an excellent couple weeks, and we will talk to you soon. Chris, I'll talk to you later. Peace.